All right, I think we are live on both. Hopefully people show up and I'm not just talking to myself. <clears throat> Guys, let me know, uh, whoever's in here, let me know as it's going, if there's any issues. I've never run both and I've never run Instagram Live before, so. And it's just me tonight. <clears throat> Which as more people get in, I'll start to I'll kind of explain. Um, Anybody who's new here, obviously I'm Jay, trained like a ranger. Usually it's me and Daniel on the lives, uh, just me tonight. As I said, sorry to disappoint. I will do my best um, to kind of, you know, do both at the same time. Um, but as I said, I am not um, as <laughs> um, fluent with uh, with Instagram, so... <clears throat> BDJ702. I don't like the other guy either, so it's fine. Uh, Josh thinks it's going on. <clears throat> um, and I will try to get to it. It might be a little bit shorter. Um, I know I got rid of that pesky rasp guy. <laughs> Although, funnily enough, I feel like I'm the the more army military guy. Um, Contard2 underscore 6. Uh, BDJ, what's going on? Uh, Contard says, I have shin splints. How, uh, I have shin splints bad. How to fix? I've been doing tip raises and calf stuff. Uh, for, um, I'll answer this question and then I'll explain why it's just me tonight. Um, yeah, Contard. So, uh, for shin splints and stuff, we actually have a ton of stuff on shin splints because it's a, it's a pretty common issue. Um, we have a YouTube video on them and we also have an article up on the website about them. Um, if you have shin splints though, it's one of those things where you're going to have to rest a little bit to get rid of them and then work yourself back up. Cause a lot of the issues that you're going to come into with getting shin splints is like your body and your bones is not being prepared for like, um, the impact of running and things like that. We've mentioned it before, you know, swimmers, things like that. Anybody who's not used to that impact is going to, going to run into that, that problem. Um, it's super, super common. Um, and it just working yourself up and having proper nutrition is really the best way to avoid getting them. If you do get them, it's a, it's, you know, it's kind of tough to just get rid of them. You got to be, you know, kind of rest a little bit. <clears throat> um, but BDJ says, yeah, massage, stretch, strengthen, like you can't overdo it when you have shin splints though. Like, you know, doing more stuff is not going to make them better. Comrade Lawrence Page builds mafia for life. Absolutely. It's nice that I see that now because, you know, five years ago, I'm almost 30, five years ago, it was like, I would say, oh, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. They would say, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but for everybody who's here, uh, just to let you guys know, um, Daniel is a father. His uh, baby was born, so he is going to be out for a little while and intermittently for the next little bit. So you're going to see probably a lot more of me. Um, uh, hopefully he gets, you know, back into a groove. Um, you know, in a little bit and you'll see more of him again. Um, I know you guys will get sick of me pretty quick. So, uh, Josh Nix says Elkan versus EOTech, which do you prefer? Um, probably of those, uh, I don't know. I really like, um, ACOG personally, just for like, as a 13 Fox, I could use that to look at stuff. Um, but if I'm actually shooting, probably EOTech. Um, YouTube account. What do you think is the worst MOS besides Cook? I don't even think Cook's that bad of an MOS. Um, 
I don't know if I, I can't think, oh, I think I've said this before. My least, not, I don't think it's the worst MOS. I don't think there's a worst MOS. Um, you know, everything has its place and every job is important, but I would never want to be Seaburn. Um, that's just not my, uh, I'm just not interested, um, in, in Seaburn personally, the chemical stuff is just not, it's not a bad MOS and I know people that do it and that's awesome and great. That's just like something that I would never want to be a part of. Leandro, Rangers lead the way. Oh, man. Okay. Sorry, I'm trying to work myself back and forth. Red bandana, go Bills. like to hear it. Love to hear it. <clears throat> oh, Steven Seagal. The best hand-to-hand combat cook that there ever was. <clears throat> But yeah, Comrade Lawrence Page, I like the ACOG uh, and Josh Nix, I like the ACOG just because I could use it to spot things and stuff like that. <clears throat> Comrade Lawrence Page, that's a good point. I, so that is something that ran, they ran into too, is like not having, um, although right now I bet they're probably doing a lot more stuff really designed for their MOS because of what's going on in the world and like who has access to chemical weapons and things like that. But I would just not want to do... I. I don't want to be the guy in charge of figuring out the chemicals and stuff like that. That is just like, that's not where I'm trying to, trying to be yet. Um, let's see here. Um, I don't know how to say this ref. Raphael CT. Okay. Sorry. There's like a lot of letters. Raphael CT04. Um, afternoon enlisted 11 X infantrymen, any advice, uh, to AIT. So yeah, you're going to be doing OSA, which is, I mean, you have, it's sort of like AIT. Um, but just try to, this is the thing I tell everybody who asks for any kind of, um, information or advice when you're going through like the early stages. Um, just try to take in all of those things and learn and just like hammer the basics into your head. I know it seems boring or lame or you want to learn cooler stuff but if you have a better base of the basics it's going to make it easier for you to build on top of that with the cooler stuff so the more you guys are able to know your battle drills and stuff as a you know as infantrymen you are going to be building you know on that basics of those battle drills and how to adjust your sops make better plans um how you figure out how to you know execute certain plans is going to be much better if you know how it's the basis of how it's supposed to be done and then you can make adjustments depending on the situation as necessary um obviously as an 11x you could be going as uh 11 charlie as well for a mortarman that's same thing i mean you just knowing your basics is going to make everything a lot whole lot easier so just really try to try to embed all the information that they give you so when you get to your unit you can learn all of the um, stuff that they're not going to teach you because a lot of the army and a lot of military in general is going to be on the job training like 99% of the time. So they're going to teach you like very basic stuff at OSIT or AIT and basic training. And from there, a lot of the training you're going to get and knowledge you're going to get is going to be from NCOs at your unit, uh, you know, senior, lower enlisted, like E4s and stuff like that. That's going to be the most um, effective way to learn is through them. But if you go in with a better grasp of the basics, you'll be able to learn those that stuff a lot quicker, and it'll put you a little bit ahead of other people that maybe slacked off or tried to reach too far ahead and didn't actually understand the basics as well as they thought they did. Um, all right, I'll try to try to bounce back and forth. 
Uh, Kurtzon, did you have any failures throughout your career, and how did you overcome them? Uh, yeah, as I mean, I've told you guys this. So I I don't have my ranger tab. Um, so you know that and my failure. I know I was a medical recycle, but my failure essentially at RASP um, when I got med recycled uh, was tough. I mean. The Metrocycle at Rast was probably one of the worst ones just because I'd worked so hard for so long. And I was in phase two at Rasp and I was I was doing my best to to fight through with like pretty bad pneumonia. And they one morning I just they told me I fell out of a run and they said, You gotta go see the medics. And they med recycled me and I, I had to wait for the summer break. And there's a ton of guys from my class from a couple of classes before that that summer break came up and they quit because they didn't want to wait two more months just sitting around in pre-rasp after everything that they had gone through for so long and they just wanted to be at a unit doing their job and it was hard it was really really difficult for me to to sit there and really just do nothing um but you know a little bit of pt and stuff like that but for the most part i I wasn't progressing um and that was probably the most difficult part for me was that i just kind of was at a standstill for a long time um but really just trying to keep your eyes on the prize um, in a situation like that where you can go back and do it again. Um, really focusing on why you are there, what brought you there, and what's going to drive you to keep going for it. In terms of other things, though, I mean, if you fail completely, I've done that before, too. Um, you just have to try to realign your focus. Um, and you can't just if you just keep focusing on that negative um, it's going to make it hard for you to do anything else and you're going to continue to fall down that slope of failure. So if you do fail something, what you need to do is you need to learn from that mistake, learn from why you failed, um, embed those lessons into you, but kind of forget that like negative thoughts or that negative energy that kind of comes with it. Just internalize that. And then you can move forward with a lesson learned, um, and not a lot of baggage, hopefully to go forward. Um, I know it's, it's, you know, easier said than done. Obviously it's, it's not as easy as that. It does take a little bit of doing, but really focusing on learning from the mistake and not the mistake itself, I think is, is really, um, my, the best advice I can give you crouton. Um, Kyler Clough, what's going on? Life as a 13 Fox and regiment. Um, well, you've heard it say before, uh, Daniel likes to call Ranger regiment, the, the job of surprises. And yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're going to do, it really depends on, on where you are. So roughly, um, during a training cycle, a lot of your time is going to be eaten up as a lower enlisted, um, trying to learn as much as possible. So learning as much as you can from the FO that you're attached to as an FORTO and just trying to embed all of that information into your brain so that you can learn all the stuff that they're doing and be able to do it eventually. Um, as well as obviously any of your like your normal lower enlisted duties and stuff like that, you know weapons guard and all that stuff. But really, you're going to be training all the time. So you're going to be out training, and then you're going to come back and you're going to sit in your cage and you're going to train. You're going to be doing sims at the simulator. You're going to be looking at maps, um, just training literally all of the time. That is like I've your job is to train as a lower enlisted thirteen fox. And then once you're an NCO, it's sort of the same except you're teaching instead of training. So. It's pretty much um, all the time is you're just going to be essentially honing your craft um, on a day-to-day basis. You're going to wake up, you're going to do PT, you're going to go to the cage, and you and your other lower enlisted are going to study. You're going to get quizzed. Um, you're going to get smoked. So that's pretty much your day in a nutshell. And then obviously it changes depending on you know what training events you're doing and things like that, and when you're going to jump into planning. Uh, so 
day to day is such a weird thing to think about. Um, for the most part, you will be doing if you're not out of the field or you're not going to the field that day. You'll wake up, you'll do PT, you'll train until lunch, and then you'll come back to work and you'll train until after lunch. <clears throat> and then, you know, intermixed with that is just normal admin, military stuff, counseling,s and paperwork and all that other stuff. Um, YouTube account Browns are the best. I don't. I'm just not gonna even touch that one today. Uh, Jeff Nix, did you do a lot of CQB training as a 13th box? Um, that's a good question. So it depends on who you are. So you're going to meet some guys that say no um, and some that say yes. Um, I actually did a decent amount. Um, I think I've told this story before, actually. We actually just finished up a training event with uh, the fist. And on our way back, the platoon that I was attached to needed a, a rifleman for their squad live fires. They were, they had lost someone. They didn't have enough people to like fill two teams. So, um, I had to go and do it. And I was like super not pleased about it at first because we had just finished our training. I was about to go home. And then I essentially, instead of going home, I got on a different bus and drove out to live fires. Um, but it was actually pretty sweet. Um, so learning how they operate at, at like a smaller, you know, squad level was really cool. And it's, it was awesome to jump in as 13 Fox into a, a live fire, um, where we had like, live rounds and grenades and we were doing um assaulting a bunker and it was it was it was awesome um and i actually had gotten i didn't really know what i was doing as well as the other guys did so i just i just did what i was told essentially and i actually got um commended by the platoon sergeant of that platoon um he said that i looked really good out there and then i smiled and he said don't smile he's like you just don't know what you're doing so you just listened um but it was pretty cool i i enjoyed it so some yeah you'll do it just depends on who you're attached to and, and stuff like that so there's a chance you do a lot of it there's a chance you do very little of it but you will get trained on on you know marksmanship and cqb um to a certain extent base like everyone does essentially that goes into regiment uh actually in rasp i mean the the Marshman part of RASP was really, really good. Good training. Um, yeah. <clears throat> All right. I feel like I'm. Uh oh. Um, Aiden Comerford says, What are some of the common sports that a lot of Rangers soft guys did in high school? Um, honestly, Aiden, so there isn't. Um, you're going to get into the Army and you're going to get into regiment even and it's a is the soft is a small community uh for the most part but even still the like the amount of people from like every different walk of life is ridiculous i mean you got guys in there who are football stars or hockey stars uh, a member of my team swam was like a super super good swimmer um some of them played no sports um some did you know martial arts others did uh, tabletop role-playing games uh warhammer video games like you have everyone from all walks of life all over the place um so there's really just no one common one i mean you'll see it more mostly by um eh, like where you're from so a lot of the guys in the south will play a lot of football it's pretty common uh whereas like up north hockey is not uncommon uh, neither is lacrosse <clears throat> But honestly, there's really not one that I would say like I'm the probably the most common was football because I think a lot of people just try football in high school. But there are just so many different kinds of people in the mil military across the board and even in regiment. Um, I mean, there was, you know, some team chiefs and stuff that did. They painted minis and did Warhammer. It's like a game you paint minis and you play. It's like a tactics game on a 
actual like fake grass little huge giant board um i've never played it myself but uh yeah so the, you'll see them everybody from everywhere that does everything like you're going to be able to find someone who's interested in the things you're interested in uh, i can guarantee it <clears throat> Uh, Nolan Frazier says, says, what kind of people do a 20-plus year career as an 11 Bravo in the 75th Ranger Regiment? Um, Crazy people, for sure. No. um, I will say the guys that, like, I knew, especially the NCOs that were there, like, a real long time, um, you got to be a special kind of person to do 20-plus years in Regiment. Like, it's a tough, it's a tough 20. That's for sure. We, We mentioned that a bunch of times. Um, I mean, there's guys that we've had some on the podcast say, like, I did one enlistment and I was hurting. Um, so you gotta be, um, you gotta be taking good care of yourself too. So that's one of the things I think I noticed. Um, some of these like NCOs, these, these, um, higher ranking NCOs, like E7s and up, um, were surprising to me when I was 22. They were in such good shape, you know, at 30 plus years old just taking really, really good care of themselves, even through all of like the beating your body is going to take. Um, they did a really, really good job and you have to do a really, really good job of, um, of making sure that you're taking care of your body because as soon as your body starts failing you, you're not going to be able to keep up and you're not gonna be able to do what you need to do and how you need to do it. So, uh, taking good care of yourself is huge. And those guys definitely do a great job of it. <clears throat> I mean, there's first sergeants out here. Just, there was, there was out there killing it. Um, like, better than 22 year olds like they just do a really really good job taking care of themselves um because it's not it's not an easy 20 um sarosh sarosh k says if you could do it over again would you go option 40 or 18x uh, if those are my only two options, um, I would go option 40 again. Um, I just, I'm not as interested in the, the, the special forces mission set, uh, which is the main reason I'm now some other options, like maybe like the JTAC or something like that would, it would interest me maybe. Um, but yeah, if I was going to join the army again, um, option 40 would probably be the way that I went. If I had to go go back in time and do it all over again. Um, Josh Nick says, do you think being in regiment sets you up well for business later on in life? I'd assume the leadership and work ethic taught in bat would be great. Yeah, actually, Daniel has a really good video. Um, it's only a couple minutes long about how range regiments set him up to do really well in college. Um, I think that. I would be a much different person if I didn't join the military in general, and I would be a lot different of a person if I didn't go into regiment. Um, just like learning um, leadership, work ethic, confidence, um, working with a bunch of different people from a bunch of different backgrounds, um, whether it be in regiment itself or working with other special operations assets, conventional army assets, uh, different countries, armies, and militaries, and things like that. Um, just gave me um, a lot of perspective um, and yeah, it gave me a lot of the, the tools I use, you know, today in my everyday life, um, how I interact with people uh, all across the board. 
absolutely sets you up great for business. Uh, not necessarily maybe in the job, um, like market aspect of like, I'm a 13 Fox. So that's not helping me necessarily. Um, but the actual like core skills and values uh, of regiment really do help you succeed in whatever you're going to choose to do, uh, whether it's in the military or afterwards. Oh man. <clears throat> it's weird. I usually get a little bit of a break when I, I throw it to Daniel. Um, I feel like I'm just rattling them off right now. <clears throat> All right, uh, Colin Leary says, as long as I don't get injured, is it good to make my workouts total hell for prepping for RASP? Um, yeah, Colin Leary, it depends on what you mean by total hell, honestly. Um, we do have a video talking about overtraining and things like that, so you definitely don't want to overtrain because you can be doing more harm than good. Um, but you do want to be pushing yourself. So it depends on, what, like I said, what you mean by hell. So like when I go do my workouts and right now I'm still running the warrior program. Like I am like, there's days I come out, I'm drenched in sweat. Like I'm beat. I'm tired. I'm, I'm drenched in sweat. And, um, like I, I texted Daniel the other day. I was like, man, this back day just stole all the energy I had for the rest of the day. And I was like nine o'clock in the morning. Um, so yeah, that's good. You know, making your workouts difficult, make sure you're pushing yourself. You're, you're upping those weights. You're really trying to, to max out those reps is awesome but you definitely don't want to overtrain you don't want to hurt yourself you don't want to go too far um you want to make sure that you're following up if you are really doing those hard workouts with proper nutrition so that you're feeling your body to, um you know recover itself you also want to make sure you're giving yourself those rest days um so yes your workouts can be hard um especially when you're prepping for rest they probably should be a little bit tough but you definitely also would like to um realistically you're going to want to make sure that you're doing everything else right as well, or else you're going to end up, you don't want to end up hurting yourself and then pushing your chances of succeeding back or not being able to sign up when you wanted to, when you felt you're ready. Um, you don't want to have to rehab if you, you know, break a bone or something like that or, you know, tear a muscle or a ligament or anything crazy like that. So workout, hard workouts are good. Um, uh, pushing yourself is good, but just, don't want to push yourself too far. So you really need to not kind of know where your limit is and you want to make sure that you're doing everything right on the back ends, um, nutrition wise, rest, stretching, all that good stuff. Um, all right, let's see here. Josh Nix, uh, what's different about the culture of bat? Okay. So what is, what about the culture of bat is different than other, um, soft. So obviously I can't speak to, to everyone's culture. Like I'm, I was there. Um, but I can speak to, you know, what regiment culture is in bat and then, um, what I saw from other special operations units and stuff like that. Um, we've talked about it a couple of times. So range regiment is, is one of those things where you, you don't pass selection and you're good to go forever. Um, you have to show up to regiment and you have to prove yourself every single day. Like every single day is selection. You are always trying to prove you're better than your peers. Ideally, prove, try to prove you're better than, you know, your superiors. And you always want to, you are always, always competing with everyone around you every step of the way. But it was oddly mixed at the same time with like a really deep sense of camaraderie. So you were constantly trying to do one up people, do better, uh, beat people out for things, but also you know, you were all really good friends. You were really close. Like you'd always back someone up, you know, out downtown or, you know, help someone out at the gym and all those kinds of things. So, um, we've mentioned it before. I mean, I have 
people that I was in regiment with that we like we still talk. I still go visit them and everything like that. Um, but we were all fighting for like a couple of slots for things all the time. Um, so it, it's a weird that you they you'll you'll hear it a billion times if you join the army. Um, they'll say iron sharpens iron. So that really is what range regiment is about. It's about putting as many of like the best people around each other to make everybody better because everybody's always competing all the time, but there's like a really, really deep sense of camaraderie. Um, and you know, you always want to be, there's like a lot of loyalty and you always want to be able to rely on everyone around you. So it's super, super important. Um, on top of the fact that I think one of the biggest things is that it got drilled into our heads as being a silent professional. So that is like one of the things I think that sets Ranger Regiment a little bit away from a lot of other soft units um, is that we are we do our best to stay out of the spotlight, um, which is funny that I'm saying that as we're doing trend like a ranger and all this stuff, but um, which it, d- it did make it hard, I think, for a lot of people to, to exactly know what they were getting themselves into. Um, but that was always one of those things that that we tried to ingrain in ourselves and um Yes, yeah, so we were confident and sometimes maybe a little bit arrogant in what we did. We we did try to, you know, roll with that silent professionalism. And you don't see that as much from some of the other soft units um, and things like that. And then there's a lot of other soft units that operate in like much smaller teams. Um, so there is camaraderie there, but it's just not as widespread because they're they're operating in like much, much smaller units. Um, I hope that sort of answered your question. I, I feel like I rambled a little bit, but that's all right. <clears throat> Um, okay, so Al or Sal says, "Are they gonna treat me bad? Are they gonna treat me like shit if I don't have my Ranger tab when I hit bad as a lower enlisted?" Um, no. So I think we mentioned this a couple of times. So realistically, for you guys, if you guys get to bat and you're not an NCO, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're an E4 and below, you're an E4 and below. It doesn't matter if you've been in the army for you know three years, one year, thirty days. It doesn't matter. Uh, and if you're an NCO and you go through RASP, if you're like an E5, you have to go to Ranger School before you get there. So, wouldn't even be an issue. But no, they won't. But you, you obviously you will be. You could be behind some people. Um, like that would maybe our you know you outrank technically by time in service or even your actual rank if you're like an E4, um, they could be still above you on the list to go to Ranger School just because you will have to do a little bit of um, not retraining necessarily but but you you're gonna have to learn some new skills and you know things when you get there. Obviously, that depends on your MOS as well. <clears throat> um. Mr. Blank says, if I join regiment as an 11 Bravo, am I guaranteed to go on raids and see combat? Um, Mr. Blank, I mean, not really, because that's you're not guaranteed to even technically be in anywhere. It depends on what's going on in the world, obviously. Um, when you get there, what's going on, where they're going. Um, I will say, as an 11 Bravo, you are the most likely to do those things, uh, for sure. But I, you, there's no guarantee. I mean, there could not be we the U.S. troops could not be involved in another war for however long. Um, and I don't think I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that I can't even guarantee that you'll you'll do anything. But as an 11 Bravo, that is you're probably most likely to go on raids and see combat. And if there is stuff to happen, then yeah, 11 Bravos are going to be the ones to go to. So. <clears throat> Um, Gage Kinder says best play carry. I am not the guy to ask about gear like that. <laughs> um, I, 
for me as a 13 Fox, it was less about what I was wearing. It was more about how I set up what I was wearing um, because of like my antennas and my wires and my radios and my everything. Um, it didn't matter so much about the plate carrier that was underneath all of that gear. Uh, what mattered was um, all of the gear and how it was set up and how I was going to utilize it. <clears throat> Uh, Ziltwix over on YouTube says, from your experience, um, what are your combo guys like in regiment? Do they do a lot of training and support missions? Uh, I always love the combo guys. Um, I loved them all across the board for the most part, um, whether I was in regiment or the conventional army. Um, they do a lot of the same, they do a less training, I think on the conventional side and more in terms of like their own field stuff than I think they do in regiment. Um, but it doesn't mean they're not working and doing training with their radios and stuff inside the, you know, the combo cage. Uh, but yeah, combo guys like 13 Foxes, like 68 whiskeys are 99% of the time going to be with the infantry dudes doing what they're doing, doing the training missions with them um, and have a specialized role in whatever that mission is going to be. Uh, but yeah, they do a ton of training, um, a ton of their own training too on top of the stuff that the 11 Bravos do, the same with the 13 Foxes and 68 Whiskeys. So you'll have all the infantry stuff that you do with the infantry guys, and then you'll also have your own um, MOS-specific and team-specific training missions and stuff like that to do all the time. Uh, Hater1257, I loved running the VBS-3 for JFO Sims. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Sims are actually pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. Running the Sims was, was fun. I actually have a, a couple buddies who do that now. Um, after they got out, they went and they work at the, at the Sims. <clears throat> I think one of my buddies actually works at one of the cool, like new, um, like digital firing ranges though. Uh, Contard, I was not an 11 Bravo. I was a 13 Fox. Um, YouTube accounts. What are the other 12 series MOSs besides 12 Bravo? Oh man. Um, the only other one I know really well uh, besides 12 Bravo is 12 Yankee, and that's just because I had a couple buddies that I went through RASP with with them. Um, someone's listed them off to me before, uh, but it's just all different kinds of engineers. Um, there are some more of the tech side guys, like a 12 Yankee, for example, is like a geospatial engineer, um, which is like way above my head. Uh, you got to be super, super smart to get that job. Um, but yeah, I want to say there's a 12 Charlie. I can't, I can't remember though. <clears throat> um, any experience with canines? Uh, Jake M says any experience with the canines? I, I don't have any experience with them, like training them or doing dog handler stuff. Um, I have worked with the, you know, the canines before. Um, but you, Unless you're actually a dog handler, you don't really interact with them too much just because uh, they are so, like, regimented and super well-trained, so you don't get a lot of time to, to work with them. But um, unless you're lower enlisted and you get put in the bite suit, it's always a good time. Um, so, yeah, you will see the, the working dogs and the dog handlers and stuff like that. They do go out on missions with you, go out on training stuff, all that stuff. Um, but I personally, because as a 13 Fox, you don't get really the chance to be a dog handler. You pretty much have to be an 11 Bravo. So I don't have any experience working with them, um, like training them or anything like that. But I, I do have experience, I guess, 
you know, working with them alongside them would be a better way to describe it. <clears throat> oh, it's awesome, Hater. Ooh, JTAC Q. Um, Mel Rar says, what are some challenges you've seen of imports from the big army into regiment? Uh, yeah, I actually hit on this a little bit earlier, I guess. Um, I'll expand. So, like I said, you have to kind of, like I said, it's not retraining, but you will have to learn stuff. So, however you're doing stuff, and it almost doesn't matter what unit you're in, um, you will have to kind of, anytime you go to a different place, they're going to operate a little bit differently than um, you did wherever you were. Just because everyone does things a little bit different, and then Ranger Regiment does things a lot different than the conventional army. So it's going to be a little bit of a change of pace um, when you're going into uh, regiment from the conventional army. So you'll have all of your – the reason I think it's not a terrible thing, though, is because you'll have all your army knowledge, like your basic army stuff, your paperwork, your counseling, so all that stuff, which is good to know going in. Um, but you will have to relearn um, or learn a lot of new things uh, because depending on your MOS, there's going to be things that are – wildly different for some MOSs. Um, like as far, even just down to the equipment that you're going to use, it's going to be so crazy different, especially for like combo guys, like 13 Fox. There's a lot of stuff that I got my hands on regiment that you, I didn't touch in conventional army. And if I would have come the other way, it would have been a, definitely a tough for me to relearn um, how to do my job with brand new equipment. So really it's going to be a ton of new knowledge, a lot of new training um, for imports coming from the big army into the regiment. Uh, but if you have a good grasp of your job beforehand, um, it's kind of just building on top of that stuff. So it's not too terrible. It's not like you're, you're learning a new MOS. It's just learning a different way to do the MOS you already should know how to do. Um, so like you're not starting from square zero, um, more like square three, but you got a couple squares to go. Um, Lear says, Jay, if you could join any battalion or ranger regiment, which one would you choose? Uh, I would go back first bat for sure. Just geographically. Um, first bat I think is most ideal to me. Got the beaches. So might be a shallow answer, but that's the one you're getting. Um, OC underscore C 63 says, have you, not any prior Marines that joined the regiment. Honestly, I don't think I knew any when I was in, uh, but I have talked to a couple of guys um, since doing TLR that have, have been doing that exact jump from Marines into regiment. Um, but no, I didn't actually personally know any. Not that I can think of. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I didn't. Um, Mr. Blank says, is there a push-up workout you would recommend for prepping for RASP? Um, yeah, I mean, I know, I know a lot of guys are doing like the, what is it? The greasing their groove, um, which is probably a good one. Uh, obviously our programs do have, you know, chest tries and then push-ups integrated into them. Uh, specifically just for push-ups though, any of those PT test requirement things are just going to be essentially doing more push-ups, doing more sit-ups and running more. Um, but with the news of the ACFT, um, 
I'm not going to tell you not to focus on the PT test, but you also need to focus on some of these other skills as well. So I know everybody gets, you know, bent out of shape about pushups and sit-ups because they are obviously a, a critical event and you can fail schools if you fail those events. But keep in mind that this ACFT is going, they're like starting to put those on record and they're going to start trapping people out of the army. And that ACFT is no joke. We actually probably might do a breakdown video. Um, I, we we did read the Army Times article and we see all, saw the new scoring and the new events and stuff like that. I did away with the leg tuck and put in a plank. But like to max the ACFT, for example, um, it's a hex bar, but you have to deadlift, I think, 340 pounds three times. Um which is no joke, even on a hex bar, it's, that's no joke, especially for some of you guys that are going to be like a little bit light on the lighter side. Like when I joined the army, when I was like even 150, 160, like there's no way I was putting up 340 three times when I first got to regiment. I, there's no, just, there's no way I could have done that. Um, so make sure that as much as you guys focus on these pushups and sit-ups and stuff, uh, make sure that you guys are, you know, doing well-rounded workouts to get you really prepared for all the things you're going to run into. Um, I know, Mr. Blank, that wasn't exactly your question. I kind of got off on a tangent. But, yeah, more push-ups, um, making sure that you're strengthening your, like, your triceps and your chest with lifting as well is going to help. Um, core is huge. Like, people kind of sometimes forget. Like, having a strong core is going to really, really help you with your push-ups. Uh, Dimitri Garens, I don't do jujitsu. I've thought about getting, uh, into some kind of uh, mixed martial arts sport. Unfortunately, where I live, it's not really, uh, super prevalent. So I would have to kind of go out of my way to find a place. Um, I'm not uninterested in it. I, I wrestled in high school. I did a little bit of rolling when I was in the military. Um, and I know Danny loves it. He's essentially therapy for him. So um, I have definitely, I've thought about it and I know a lot of you guys here, um, are interested in it as well. Flash them boom. We appreciate it. He says, see everyone on the high sign. Thank you for doing what you're doing. We always appreciate the support. Oh man. <clears throat> uh, Sal said, okay, well, I had a question last time about the Rangers beating you up. If you go on another team's Ranger cage, I'm going to no comment that one. Um, <clears throat> Leandrell, Leandrell, uh, Hey, so I have a question. What made you choose the army over the other branches? Uh, for me personally, I, um, come from a pretty long line of like military in my family. Uh, initially I was looking into, um, the Marines as well as the army. Um, and what made me choose the army was especially steered me away from the Marines was in the Marines. Like it's choosing your job. Isn't really a thing. Uh, it gets a little bit muddy. So I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to put myself, I didn't want to put my name on a piece of paper that like wasn't guaranteeing me anything at all. Um, except for like a spot in the Marines doing something. So it steered me back towards, um, back towards the army. And when I was growing up, my mom, always told me to join the air force. Uh, and so I was, you know, 18 and stubborn and I just didn't do that. And so I, I just, I'd wrote that off because I was just being stubborn. Um, so those are the only, and I don't like, I don't like open water. So I was never going to join the Navy. I just don't like open water. It freaks me out. Um, 
I can go to the beach and stuff, but if I'm like out in the middle of the ocean, I'm no, I'm not signing up to be on a ship for for such an extended period of time. So it really came down to the Marines or the Army, and what steered me towards the Army was the fact that I I was able to pick what I was going to be able to do, um, and that I was able to get the Option Forty contract because the Marine like recon stuff was a little bit iffy as well. So I just I couldn't. It just didn't seem like I was going to get any kind of guarantees. Like I was going to sign a paper that didn't really mean as much, um, which is what steered me towards the Army. Because when I signed on my name on the paper, that was what I was going to get. And I was going to get a chance to do that. They were I was going to get my foot in the door to attempt to do those things. Yeah, obviously, I could have failed along the way. And that's on me, though. I wanted it to be on me, um, not on some guy at a desk who sees my name. And I'm just, you know, number 1062 on his list. And that's just that's how it got decided. Um, that was the main thing for me. <clears throat> Uh, Josh, next. Do you ever have any? Did you ever have any desire to go Delta or RC? Um, I toyed around with it when I was like really, really young, just getting into regiment. Um, but after that, no, not really. I, I enjoyed my time in regiment. I enjoyed my time in the army, but I kind of, sort of, you know, Daniel said he kind of got everything you wanted to out of it. You know, after a couple of years, um, I wanted a little bit more out of it when I left regiment, went to the conventional sign, but I didn't want to. I didn't want everything about my life to be the military at that point. I kind of was looking at some other things and I enjoyed my time in the military. I liked being in the military, but I didn't want that to define, you know, everything that I was. And that's kind of, you're going to Delta RC. Like that's you, that's who you are. It's, it's tough to kind of be even separated from that at all. Um, so when I was a little bit younger, yeah, but as I got a little bit older, I kind of steered myself away from that. Um, whereas it's a lot for a lot of guys, it's the opposite. They, they go back into it. Um, but yeah, for me personally, no, not really. Um, after, after a couple of years now. Ladrill says first bet, best bet from what I've heard. I can vouch for that. Um, Lucas Kowatsky says, will learning gymnastics in my teen years be beneficial? Because gymnasts do tons of push-ups. Pull-ups. Yeah, no, gymnasts are, if you um, are a gymnast, yeah, gymnasts are absurdly strong. Like, your control and strength is absurd. Like, the level of functional fitness and, um, you know, pliability, core strength, all that is is awesome. It is going to definitely set you up for success. Um, I'm not saying that's, you know, don't do anything else to prepare, but that is, like, a really, really, really great point to, to begin from. Um Absolutely, hundred <clears throat> percent. All right, uh, Connor Boyd says, "Did you have a better time in regiment or in a conventional unit?" Um, <clears throat> I think my, um, I think I had the best time in the eighty second, um, because that's where I was. I had a little bit of, I'm trying the best way to phrase this. I had onus. So I was a team chief in, in the 82nd. Um, so I had a little bit of control. I had just the tiniest bit of control over what was happening to me and my guys. Um, I was able to plan training and get things locked in and do a bunch of stuff. So I had control over what was happening. I I could train the way I wanted to train. So I enjoyed my time in the 82nd the most because I had the most power there, um, to affect, what was going on around me and what was going on for uh, the soldiers underneath me. So that was definitely my, my favorite unit. Um, 
Ranger Regiment is obviously holds a special place in my heart, and I learned so much there that I did carry over, and, and it, one of the reasons I, I did so well in the 82nd was because of Regiment. Um, but I was obviously a private there, so it's a it's a little tough, you know. I had a I had a blast, you know. I, you know, love the guys I met there and everything like that. But having the modicum of control that I had in the eighty second is what makes that probably one of my favorite units that I was in. Um, <clears throat> and then going into the one seventy third, I actually lost a lot of that control, even though I was essentially doing the same job, just because of the way that unit is structured. Um, so the one seventy third is it made it a little bit tough for me. I didn't have the um, because Bragg is so big, like a ton of training areas, tons of places to go train and shoot and do all that stuff. Um, and I didn't have that same uh, level of freedom and the ability to train and do all those things that I like to do and had the capability of doing in the 82nd at the 173rd just because of logistics, um, like leadership structure and all of that. So, yes, uh, 82nd was my favorite unit, but. I'll regiment. I will take regiment over the 173rd and the 82nd, honestly. Um, but I had probably the most fun in the 82nd, uh, just because that was you know where I was like a a leader that could affect some kind of change at some level. <clears throat> um, Josh Nix says, I know you've talked about this before, but can you talk more about the difference between you guys and tech piece attached to you? Yeah. Um. So for the tag peas and us, the main difference is that we have to do all the stuff that everyone's doing. So, like, tag peas can kind of like not do certain things or get out of certain things. Um, but for when it comes down to it, like logistically, um, a JTAG is a JTAG. So, whether they're in the Air Force or in the Army, it doesn't matter. The job is the same. You go out on missions, you do the same thing. Uh, you pretty much command the same level of respect. Sometimes even maybe a little bit more, depending on who you are, you know, how, what you've done. Um, the difference is mostly uh, logistical on the logistics side. Like they're just not in the army and they're not in regiment technically. So they don't have to, some of the stuff they don't have to deal with or do. And like, it's just a little bit different. Sometimes they get certain things and gear and stuff from the air force and stuff like that. It's mostly logistical. Um, but for, the actual like terms of the job, it's the same, exactly the same. Especially the ones that are attached to us, they do the same job. They train together. They like learn and do and uh, adopt certain things together as they do things and learn things. So for the most part, I mean, if you're a JTAC in regiment, you're you're operating at the same level um, as a JTAC from the Air Force. <clears throat> Uh, call sign Joker says, yo, Jay, you ain't got to respond. <laughs> uh, it might have been a little late, but just grab the second part of the question for the JTAC. Okay. Um, Y'all love the deadlift and leg press. Yeah, call sign Joker, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I, had a, I had a rough back day today. Um, I was just struggling, you know, because I, I don't eat breakfast. Um, so I do a little bit of like intermittent fasting. Um, so I, I eat, you know, I don't eat from, like I go to bed and I don't eat until lunchtime. So I went to the gym a little bit late today, and so it was like eleven o'clock, and I just hadn't eaten in so long. I was I was struggling, um, I was struggling a little bit with the deadlift and the leg press today. Well, not the leg press, but the deadlift for sure. Uh, Nick says I'm late, so we staged a coup on Dan. I see. Uh, yes. So, uh, for anybody who was not here in the beginning, uh, Daniel did have his baby. 
So he is going to be probably intermittently out for a little while. So you will see a lot more of me. Um, I'll try to keep make sure the content is still coming that we, we get to answer you guys. Um, I know you guys see me mostly already in the DMs and um, we have a couple of videos, I, video ideas that I'll probably end up doing on my end. I have a couple of people that I'm going to try to get onto a podcast for my time in the army, try to get some guys that I know um, and things like that, just because, you know, I want to give them as much time, you know, obviously um, everything like that. So I'm trying to pick up a slack on my end um, and that way he can spend some time with his family. Oh man. Black Flag Nation, I appreciate it. Uh, where are we at here? Lucas Kolatsky says, What makes the camaraderie in the regiment different compared to normal military? If there is a difference. Um, so Lucas, I, I guess the the thing that makes um camaraderie a little bit different uh, in regiment compared to, to conventional is it's harder. So uh, you'll see that going through something very, very difficult is going to bring you closer to the people that went through it with you. So the harder something is, the closer you're going to get over it. Um, it's really that simple. I mean, you're just doing hard, difficult things all of the time, like always pushing yourselves further and faster and harder. So those guys are going through all of those things with you. So you're sharing all those hardships, all those, um, all those tough times you're sharing those together. So it just builds, um, I think a little bit of a higher level of, of camaraderie and loyalty. Um, so you'll see it as you go through, like your friends from basic are fine. And then your friends from AIT are fine. And then as, as you kind of go along, your friends from everyone's school. And then like, so each, each thing that, is the most difficult is kind of where you, you build a certain level of camaraderie. Um, but yeah, that's why I personally think so. I mean, I could be completely wrong. That's a, it's a personal opinion one. <clears throat> um, and it's not to say that the conventional army doesn't have a ton of camaraderie either. I, I'd have a bunch of guys that I talk to still from the 82nd and the 173rd that I'm good friends with. We, we catch up all the time, checking on each other, things like that. But I didn't go through anything anywhere near as like difficult uh, with any of them as I did uh, in regiment. And I'm much closer with my uh, buddies from regiment. And I spent about the same amount of time there as all my other units. So that's just my personal opinion. Um, Devo Digital, what's going on? I appreciate it. Um, what does going worldwide mean in regiment, uh, from Sal, uh, Sal in worldwide, it just means, uh, that's like what we called it in rasp. It just meant that's, you aren't, you're not going to regiment anymore. So you're just going wherever the army wants to send you. That's why they call it worldwide. Cause you can go wherever. Although it, back when I was there, we went through airborne school first. So 99.999% of the time you were going to an airborne unit. Um, Although there are a couple of MOSs that didn't go to airborne school first because they had a higher failure rate. So those guys could go to any army unit. But for the most part, we would be getting sent to, uh, from worldwide, you'd be getting sent to uh, an airborne unit. So the 82nd um, up in Alaska, the 25th or 173rd for the most part. <clears throat> yeah, Nick, Dan has baby. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, yeah, Dad by Digital. That's a good point. He says, uh, Dad by Digital says also conventional army have a lot more platoons, units, companies, batteries, and such. That's a fair point as well. Uh, so there are more people. Like the 82nd is massive. So um, I didn't know. Like I could pretty much walk around in first bat, and I knew like 90% of people around um, most of the areas, even if they weren't in my company because it's just so much smaller. It's a really good point. Um, all right, we got time for a couple more here. It's going to kick me off in like seven minutes. Um, Gage says, do 13 Foxes, good one. Do 13 Foxes and Regiment have the opportunity to get JTAC qualified? Yes. Um, so you have to be higher ranking and there's a couple things you need to do before that, but you will, if you stay in Regiment as a 13 Fox, uh, eventually, as long as you're getting promoted and doing good and, you know, um, you will have the option most likely you will have the opportunity to get JTAC qualified. Uh, there, like I said, there's a couple, there are logistics go into that other schools. You have to do uh, certain things that have to, to be kind of checked. Um, but yes, you can get the opportunity to, to get JTAC qualified. Uh, Shelton says, I heard from someone that the purpose of regiment is for soldiers to spend time there. And when they leave to another unit, they spread what they learned to regiment to their new unit, uh, improve the whole army. That was, and is technically the like mission statement for Ranger regiment. Uh, it's the whole point of it was so that you would eventually, obviously there's deeper history and things like that along the way, but essentially, yes. So what was supposed to happen was you were supposed to leave once you're, you know, ready to take on a leadership position and go to the conventional army and improve those soldiers by training them, um, up to ideally to regimental standard. So you're taking everything you learned, everything you did and trying to bring it out to the, to the conventional army as well. Uh, absolutely. That is a hundred percent true. Um, Matt Lewis says, how was taking college classes while being in regiment? Is it possible? Um, it's really not possible until you have a ranger tab. Um, as a lower enlisted, it's not really possible. And even after that, if you're a tabbed E4 and up, um, it is tough. It's, it's tough to take classes for sure. Um, and even if you can take one, it's like, it's like one or two at the most, maybe, um, and you'll have to kind of time it up at a, at a proper time. But there are people that can help you with that in certain schools that work with people that are in the military that give you a little bit of leeway and things like that that you'll find um, to, to make it a little bit easier. Um, just because they're used to it, so they'll know certain things, let you rearrange as sometimes as necessary, and you know be all online and stuff like that. So it's possible, but it's not easy. Um, Lear says, did you get issued a sidearm regiment? Uh, yes. <clears throat> you don't have to use it or take it uh, when you do stuff. Uh, for me, for the most part, I already had too much stuff. Um, but yes. <clears throat> um, all right, let's see. I'll do two more. Uh, oh man, I feel like I lost some. Um, all right. Uh, forgot to mention I'm signed and Colin says he's a year out from RASP. 
He's not that competitive in push-ups, 54 to 62. My elbows are starting to hurt. Should I dial it back? Um, yeah, if you need to. I mean, if you're ever starting to feel like any kind of pain, like a little bit of rest and some ice is going to make that better. Um, if you continue to push through it, you have the chance to hurt yourself. Um, and like I said earlier, there are ways like strengthening your core, your triceps, um, your chest with lifting is going to help a little bit with those push-ups as well um, as just doing more push-ups. <clears throat> And I feel like I missed some stuff over here. Uh, at Rask Graduation, who leads the stanzas of the Ranger Creed? Uh, Nick. Um, it sort of depends. Um, actually, I'll have to get back to you. I don't remember. I want to say it's like the honor grad. Or like you, you get like voted. There's like some sk- like some scores and stuff like that. I think that's how my second class did it. I'm not sure how Daniel's class did it. And there's a little bit of variation between each class, but I'm pretty sure we voted on like honor grad people and stuff like that. Like there was like peer reviews and scores and stuff like that that all kind of all got calculated. Um, I don't remember. We have a video on the YouTube of our, of the Ranger Creed from Moran's graduation. Uh, maybe I'll watch that and see if I can pick out who those were. Because all the all the those Daniel's classes, all the guys that, that I know, because I was there for eighty five percent of it. Um, but that is what we're gonna call it for the night. I I tried to get through as many questions as I could. Um, honestly, we probably got through more because because Daniel wasn't here to slow us down. Um, but yes. So as I said before, uh, Daniel had his baby. He is going to be a uh, little bit less uh, here. For, for a little while. Uh, so I'll be trying to pick up the slack. Um, we'll be working on... Definitely these are going to keep coming, whether I'm here alone or with Daniel, if he can get a chance to... to if he can, you know, has time to hop on or whatever. Um, I will still be trying to get out here every every week on Thursdays. I'm also going to be in the DMs as well as YouTube comments as best I can. Uh, and ideally, some more content coming out on the YouTube, some, some informational videos as well as some podcasts, stuff like that. Um... So yeah, I'll try to do his, his outro. I don't I don't remember it. I always try to block it up. Um so yeah, we're Train Like a Ranger. Uh, check us out on trainlikearanger.com. Fitness, nutrition plans, got merchandise, we have articles, um, obviously on YouTube, Train Like a Ranger and Instagram, Train Like a Ranger as well. Bunch of informational content. Um, trying to get as much information out here to you guys as we can. We appreciate all the support and uh hope you have a great weekend, guys, and I will see you next week. All right. Have a good one, guys. Actually, I don't know how to end this.